Good afternoon, friends. It is another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. Welcome to the Blizzard Recovery Edition of the Patrick Lally Show. We'll spend the next two hours engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics, music, music, music. It is, as you know, the second day of Rich Show Week here on the Patrick Lally Show because it's my show and I can do it. And Rich is awesome. Fanboy. Fanboy alert. Fanboy alert. Yeah, so Rich is going to be in the studio today, and we'll be talking about that in a little bit. Uber producer Dan Peters is here. You heard him at the top of the hour with the news and the weather. He's going to keep us updated on all the happenings around the city. Thanks for spending some time with us today uh, through your radio, streamed live on KSO.com, through the KSO mobile app. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live at the KSO account or our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. So, really, that storm for us, Dan, uh, kind of a dud. Kind of a dud. Just ask the people in Canton. Yeah, I know. They got a lot more. And that's what's so weird about it. Uh, It depends on where you live. So, three inches at the airport, less than that, six in T, and then, like, almost a foot in Canton and a foot in Vermilion and all that. Terrible. Terrible. 18 inches in Ponca, Nebraska, a place where I have been. Really? It's just across the Missouri River. Yes, I believe I have been to Ponca as well. Lovely community, and a uh, but they got 18 inches, you say? 18 inches. That's some shoveling. That is some shoveling, people. Uh, you know, that's a pretty big swing, but I'd, I'd estimate that over at the uh, southeast side in suburbia there, we got about four, maybe, maybe five. It's blown around a little bit, so it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, so I had to, I got out there and shoveled last night. After the wind went down, I waited for the wind to go down because the wind was pretty vicious. And if you were out of town, it was a lot worse. I understand that. Oh, yeah. You you do something and then the wind just kind of, you know, it's it's like the, the guy it was at Sisyphus who rolled the rock yeah. up the hill and then it fell down on him and then he had to keep on doing it. <laughs> I had a little bit of that going because, you know, the wind was like out of the northeast, but it was switching around to the northwest. So for a while... I could, when I was shoveling, I could just kind of throw it up in the air <laughs> and it would blow over. At least most of it would just kind of get caught in the uh, stratosphere there. But it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I had to, uh, I had to do a bunch of scraping though. And I hate that. You know, I almost, I, you almost need to put like a no driving ban on, you know, no in and out of the garage for a period of time, but you know, you can't do that. Uh, and there had been a lot of driving going on before I got out there last night, uh, a lot of ins and outs of the garage. And, uh, I, so I scraped off the top layer, you know how you do, you just kind of, ah, just get rid of this. It'll be fine. And then I'm looking at it and there's the tracks and I almost like my South Dakota pride got in the way, you know, and I just couldn't let that, I couldn't let it stand. Cause they were like big humps and you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're tooling down, because your pride gets in the way and because you know that people are going to be out driving around the neighborhood a day or two after the storm. And we all do this. And you're, you know, you're sort of taking stock and you're looking around and you're making a mental checklist of which of your neighbors have been holding up their end of the bargain and who isn't. It's who's setting the bar very high and who's doing, you know, minimum standard because I've been a minimum standard guy before. I know how it feels. And, you know, you're going along and looky there, the Murphys, they only they shoveled one path down the middle just to, you know, to avoid city prosecution. 
you know, to say they actually shoveled. Or, old man Jones, how about that? Snowblower must not have started. Looks like he had a shovel. Damn shame there. You know, that poor guy, that poor fella, he didn't deserve that. But is it mainly the sidewalks that you're that you're kind of monitoring, no. or is it the entire driveway itself? It's, it's always the driveway because that's the challenge. Yeah, you know, but that's not city property. It doesn't matter what you do on your driveway. No, the, the city doesn't come on your driveway and say, you guys always... <laughs> no, but that's where the pride comes in. You know people are going to be driving around. You know, the minimalists and then the perfectionists. And you try and find some happy medium, you know, and you say, oh, look at Billy Bob. He just scraped the top layer off. That... That lazy so-and-so. Look at those unsightly car tracks on his driveway. Can't let that happen this early. It's January. You can't you can't get behind now or you'll never get up. You'll never catch up. What's it going to look like in February? It's going to be a big hot mess. And, you know, that man's dragging down my property values by keeping it. You know, it's like an unkept lawn. You know, or you got pretty soon there's a car in blocks. It starts with shoveling. And then you let the grass grow a little longer than you should. And then pretty soon you got the Chevy out there uh, with a tranny out of it. First world problems. You just can't let that happen. So I found, so I'm looking at it and I found a nice, heavy, like steel coal shovel, you know, old school, flat head, about six inches wide. And I started scraping away. And then once you start, it's like, I'll just do this. I'll just take care of the bit now. And then you can't stop. Just <laughs> neighbors are out there at night going, what in the hell going on over there? Because you make kind of a lot of noise. Uh, but when I was done, whoo, glorious, glorious sight. I took kind of a victory stroll <laughs> around the perimeter of the, uh, under the, I was sort of acting like I was cleaning up rough edges, but make no mistake. I was admiring my own work. It's true. I'll tell you what my philosophy is. I'm 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 not a minimalist, but I also I'm kind of a realist, and I will look at the forecast, and I know that we'd had a few of those tracks. Mm-hmm. Then I see tomorrow sunny. Yeah, but so you, when the sun comes out tomorrow, it'll be like get home and then yeah. then off yeah. it goes. If you do that, but what happens is you just get used to it. You let your standards slip, and then that gets sunny out, and it kind of melts it over, and it just becomes an ice patch. And then you're in trouble. Then then you're looking at, like, busted elbows and stuff. It's lawsuits. Yeah, but that's why you have to watch the forecast because you know that, okay, I can get away with it this mm-hmm. time. And it's like, oh, it's going to be, like, in the deep freeze for three days. you got to get that stuff out of there or else yeah, you're, you're sunk. true. Now, with the sun coming, I'm ahead of the game. I'm going to have, like, a bone-dry driveway. I'll be the, I will be the envy of all the neighbors over there. Guaranteed. If that is your aim, anyway, to be the envy. <laughs> you know, it's probably not. Not really. I, but I did it. I'm not saying that's going to hold. If it keeps snowing, I'll start, my standards start sliding pretty fast. When March hits, it's pretty much over. Anything, any sort of shoveling becomes just, you know, basic function, not, not any sort of high standard. So I'm waiting for March. It's almost February. Oh, and yeah, and by the time you get to March... You know you're going to get a warm-up not too long after the snow comes. Oh, yeah. You just kind of do what you... Get it away from the front of the driveway so it's not melting inside. Then you're good. You're covered. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, God bless the people up in Brookings and in Watertown and up in Aberdeen. There, you it, it, it just stays. You know, all that stuff just keeps piling up and mm-hmm. piling up because the temperatures usually yep. don't follow once you get north 
of the Minnehaha Moody County line. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, they should have known that when they moved up there. Well, <laughs> I just got a text, by the way, from uh, a frequent friend of the show, Scott Arisman, and uh, he says, good thing, good thing gets snow gates. So you don't have to show out the driveway. <laughs> you know what? I saw some dude last night along Marion Road. Yep. He was, I, he had his vest on with the reflective tape mm-hmm. and, and that stuff that he was blowing out, it was, it was, you could tell it was a brown color coming out of the, <laughs> that snowblower. And it was like, oh man, That's almost looked it. like it's the manure spreader back on the farm. You're like, good gravy. He was into the concrete. He was into the street portion where the salt comes in. Yeah. You know, I did have to shovel that out though, because they make the first pass on at my place uh, with, before they go, you know, and they put a lot of gunk down. And so it comes into the driveway. And so I actually, you know, I was a, I was a vocal opponent of snow gates and I, I remain kind of so, but I know people like them. They work, they work where I live, but they don't work everywhere. And uh, you know, when it's too heavy and you know, I think you're, you're in the minority on that one. I always, I have known that since day one, Dan, and I have taken plenty of grief for it, but I will. I'm going to hold firm on that. Going to hold firm on that, Scott. Um, we've got a great show for. I I need to say this though. My arms. I mean, I can. I can't really get them above my shoulders because I was going after it in a big way. Got my workout in, if nothing else. So I'm going to have to take some ibuprofen or something. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include, as I mentioned, Rich Show will be in the studio for the first of two weeks, two visits this week. Rich's new album, That Was the Future, This Is the Past, will be officially released, I think, Saturday. I got mine. I pre-ordered, and I see a lot of folks, uh, uh, friends of mine, also got theirs because people are posting them on Facebook. So uh, we'll be talking to Rich in the second order, second hour. The Smart Cyclist will be with us for Weird Friends just after the break, and we're going to spend some time talking about the big announcement today by Sanford Health that they are expanding into seven new countries with the World Clinics. Jim Slack, who's vice president for Sanford World Clinic, will be with us. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Uh, we're going to talk about some weird little things in the legislature. Good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're going to try and get a little closer to free today on the PL statement. Sometimes I just like to let that play a little longer because the lyrics are so great. By the Bodines, closer to free. Oh, in the news, in the news, uh, you know, the stuff with the White House and uh, Jeff Sessions was spent, uh, I don't know, six days in interrogations with the FBI and the, or the special prosecutor. But it's fine. It's all good. The president's not worried about that. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Anyway, but back here in South Dakota, we've got our fine, fine South Dakota legislature. They're good people, good, good hardworking people out there in Pier, and God bless them for going because... It's peer, you know, and who'd want to do that? Not me. Not peer in January and February, but so, you know, God bless them. 
However, uh, you know, sometimes they get like a little too much time on their hands. And a couple issues going on out there. I saw an AP story today. South Dakota lawmakers propose bill to allow permitless concealed carry. And this has come up before. In fact, I believe uh, that it passed last year. So you don't need any permit to carry a gun, concealed weapon. Because you can carry a gun now. You can walk it around with it strapped to your hip or whatever, as long as you can see it. You can carry it in your car as long as you can see it, but you can't conceal it. You got to get a permit to do that. So GOP Senator Lance Russell, he uh, he he uh, sent this bill in again this week, and he, he says, we need to have this debate again, even though Dugard vetoed it last year and uh, saying that the state's permit process is simple and straightforward. It's currently a misdemeanor for someone to carry a concealed permit or to have one concealed in a vehicle without a permit. Russell says it's likely the bill will be vetoed if it reaches Dugard, but he says supporters are going to keep at it until we get it. And, you know, the thing about it is, you know, we don't need in South Dakota a lot of gun laws. We just don't. And that's that's the beauty of the federal system that, you know, if if. Uh, Maryland decides they need to do something to deal with an issue, that's fine. And as long as it doesn't violate the spirit of the Second Amendment. I Honestly, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not an extremist on this. At the same time, out here, we don't need a lot, right? We just don't need a lot. But I can tell you, if you talk to any law enforcement officer in the state of South Dakota, they're, they're not going to like this. Because they want to know who possibly could have a gun under the seat. Now, it's true. Criminals can put guns under seats. They can have, you know, not have a permit. All those things are true. But any information that a police officer can get in the field is good. Now, I know a lot of it's not instantaneous. And I spent uh, some quality time in the basement of the state capitol uh, several years ago. Uh, before they close the permits to the public, going through and um, making, we made, we compiled a list of everybody who had it. Mostly to, as a a kind of a statement against closed records, because it's a closed record. And there already was a law uh, preventing anybody from making a list in government. So say the Secretary of State's office, Chris Nelson at that time, couldn't have a list, even though he's got a database, for law enforcement, he can't give you the list because it was against the law. It wasn't against the law to go through them. They're all on paper. He did that. Well, one thing I learned during that process is it's very important for law enforcement to be able to have that information. Their lives are at stake in many cases, and there's nothing that's perfect, but just having to go through that basic process, simple, straightforward, as the governor says, of getting a concealed permit, concealed carry permit, is not onerous. It's not onerous. And now they're closed, so nobody even can find out if you have one or not, except law enforcement. So this just seems like a silly bill to me. I don't understand it. I don't really understand the motivation of it. And I know they're going to keep trying, but what's the point? It's a thumb in the eye of law enforcement, and I just don't get that. So we'll see. I'm, as I said, I'm sure it'll get vetoed again, so that's good. Um, and nobody wants to have the fight over guns, so people just don't even rise up against it. You know, there may be a few people that question it, but it'll probably go right through. 
Uh, the other odd thing going on uh, quickly is these uh, a uh, lawmaker has introduced a bill. Representative Tim Goodwin has a piece of legislation that would mandate members uh, of the legislature be tested within two weeks of getting sworn into office for drugs uh, and two weeks of legislation's and two weeks of legislative sessions end. So twice during the session. I didn't say that properly. My apologies. Goodwin said Tuesday he wants to make sure all lawmakers are clean. This is in the context of the broader debate over harsher penalties for methamphetamine dealing and manufacturing. Goodwin says if lawmakers are going to send people to prison for a long period of time, we should all be clean ourselves. The bill says a positive test or a refusal to take one must be reported to the presiding officer of the lawmakers chamber for discipline. Uh, Senator Pro Tem Brock Greenfield is among the co-sponsors. You know, I, I'm not sure what this, I, I kind of appreciate the sentiment here and the statement, which is, you know, if we're going to send people to jail for a long time, you know, but the, the thing about the legislation is that it doesn't really attack users. It's going after methamphetamine dealers. And a lot of time users become dealers to feed their habit and all that, um, but, you know, I think everybody recognizes that methamphetamine is a serious problem in the state and we got to do something about it. I don't know if this is the best way to go about it. We need more treatment. We, but treating methamphetamine is very, very hard. The addiction is very, very strong. We need to have that conversation. Um, so I hope that this piece of legislation is brought in good spirit and uh, trying to move things forward. But we're not going to test lawmakers. That would be silly. That's the bottom line on today's P&L statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can pop me an email at patrick at kso.com. Also follow our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. Coming up next, it's the Smart Cyclist on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And that's the first of our rich show tunes for the day. That's uh, corporate product placement off the new record. This is the fu- That was the future. This is the past. We are not talking with Rich Show in this segment. We're talking with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist. But you know he's a music fan, so there you go, Michael. Thanks for coming by. Good afternoon. Glad it, to be here. It's a it's a nice it's a nice little rolling kind of beautiful little tune that puts us in a mind i love rich show oh yeah saturday night the big uh, record release show down at the orpheum tickets uh, i believe are still available uh michael uh smart cyclist we i brought you in today now we had some juggling some people we had to we had to redo schedules normally you're on thursdays but there's nothing carved in stone about when the weird friends can come on the show there's no contracts there's no contract (laughs) there's there's very little pay, compensation. Okay, there's no compensation. There's a text message that says, how about today? <laughs> what? That works? It did. Here I am. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, thanks for responding. Um, you bet. But there is an important event coming up tomorrow that doesn't have anything to do with music. That is, it's, it's, a, the, the op- it's an open house. What is the open house for? Uh, the planning office has five areas that they've been studying in the city to improve pedestrian and bicycling connections. And the open house is to present those five and get public feedback about those five areas. And is this, are these big deals, little deals? What are we talking about here? Um, they're 
big deals in that they improve access for pedestrians and bicycling, so making the community, say, more livable or making what used to be a long distance to go a roundabout way to get a short distance. Yeah. And this would connect those places. And there's a whole bunch of details in there about this and such and that and such, but um, there's a couple of big developments I think that people are interested in, even if you're not, you know, a bike commuter, this is for all of us in transportation and recreation and getting yeah. from one place when you're just out with the kids riding around, right? Yeah. And even walking. So a lot of these, um, a lot of these are corridors. So they, they, they span many miles through the city. Um, but little details like improved pedestrian crossing at particular intersections, it improves biking, it improves walking. It improves Joey going from one side of Grange Avenue to another side of Grange Avenue where otherwise the intersection, the visibility is low. And so improving that area. So yeah. so where you might want, where mom might put Joey in the car to go across the street, he maybe even can walk. Or maybe she'd walk with him because it's right. that much more comfortable. Yeah. And so what are the highlights on here for you? I mean, there's there's one, there's a Bonson Avenue connection. There's a 15th Street site, Bicycle Boulevard, which I think is really cool. Ralph Rogers uh, Road near Cliff, 41st and I-29 area, which is a mess over there in the, in the, the this is a good one, Meadows. <laughs> and then the 22nd and 24th Street connection, uh, uh, Minnesota area. But what, what are the big things here? What are the major developments? I love um, connecting Bonson Avenue uh, adjacent to the Hills of Rest Cemetery. Mm -hmm. So Bonson Avenue, already a pretty decent route for biking and a pretty decent route through the city, um, comes to an end at 10th Street and at 6th Street because of the cemetery there. And so thinking creatively and working with consultants who do this sort of thing all the time, they figured out that, hey, you could put, you could probably put a, a bike trail, bike path, multi-use path around the cemetery um, in that, it's probably drainage. It's probably public land between between the cemetery and water, and uh, and you can turn you can you can make that gap from tenth to sixth on Bonson, what currently would be a mile and a quarter or a mile and a half if you were to drive because you'd have to go either to Cleveland Avenue or Sycamore Avenue. Neither of which are great options. Right. Yeah. Especially on a bike and right. impossible, not impossible to walk, but who wants to walk that far to go? What right. is going to be 1,000 feet. Yeah. That's amazing. 1,000 feet to, to bridge that. And those are two big parts of town. You got on one side, on the north side, you got Washington High School and a lot of housing and all that. Uh, and single track. Yeah. And on the other side, you know, it's a big, huge neighborhood, schools and shopping and everything else. So it's a, it's a nice shortened connection that will open up whole yeah. parts of town for people. And right. And when we talk about how we bike all over the place, people always imagine we're on Sycamore and that we're on Cleveland. And hey, all of a sudden that section of Sycamore and Cleveland isn't necessary to ride to because we can take this little route through the cemetery. Yeah, I don't ride Sycamore and Cleveland unless no. I absolutely have to. Right. It's terrible. No fun. Terrible. And they and you know, the drivers don't want you out there. Yeah. So this works this is good for everybody. It's good for everybody. Right. Uh, there's another one like that, the uh, Ralph Rogers Southeast Bikeway. Um, if you to connect Minnesota Avenue at St. Andrews Drive to Tomar at um, 61st Street. Mm -hmm. Um, to drive that, to ride that now, you did go to, you can go to 57th street or 69th street. Um, 57th street is a mile and a quarter and 69th street is a mile and a half. Again, that not, distance. not great, not great for pedestrians or cyclists or anybody else. It's not doing 42 in a car. Yep. 
And so this little connector would make that route two thirds of a mile. And it would utilize a, you'd share a, the cart path, a portion of the cart path. A prairie green? prairie green. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, and so talk about encouraging biking. Um, if you live on one side of, of that gap, and you go to the grocery store, you're going to get in your car because you're going to go to 57th yep. or 69th. Now you can take this little connector. See, little things like that make it much more accessible for everybody and enjoyable because all of a sudden it opens up a huge option. Yep. Be- because of some of the weird ways that cities get designed, often cordon huge pieces, you'll be right next to each other, you can't get there. Right. Unless you go through somebody's yard. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and I got, I got one more to highlight, unless you want to ask me more questions. Keep going. There's uh, one that we, almost everybody who rides uses, and it's that 24th Street and Cliff intersection. Mm-hmm. So we're talking going east to Riverdale Park, and we're talking going west to McKinnon Park area. Mm-hmm. So this is the 22nd Street corridor. And you know that that, that 24th and Cliff intersection is great in yeah. that it's not 26th Street, and it's not whatever's over whatever's north of there yeah but we also know that because there's no ordinance that says one developer has to talk to another developer and align their streets Mm -hmm. that that intersection is not aligned right and so and misaligned intersections one are are actually more dangerous for drivers Um, oh absolutely that's a bad intersection right and so what these what this study this study while the study addresses from 22nd and minnesota all the way to to and beyond Cherry Rock Park. Yeah. Um, this one feature of this area makes some improvements to that intersection. Now they can't, they're not going to align the intersection for no. this purpose, but they're going to put up some lights and they're going to, oh, they're going to limit some maneuvering and to make it safer. So, Although I got to tell you, uh, a lot of times when I get to, when I'm going uh, west, I come up out of Riverdale Park there out of the valley and I get to Cliff, I'm, I'm ready for a breather. Because <laughs> of that hill going all the way a, up there. A, it's like a eight block hill. Yes. One of the longest probably sustained hills in the city. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's a great corridor. So that's, yeah. that's marvelous. Yeah. Well, these are all great things and you can go see maps and put in your input and all that stuff. Right. The, uh, the place in the process that we are now is saying, Hey public, come give us your feedback because city government likes to operate with openly. <laughs> I know you have your own arguments about that. Um, <laughs> The no, planning a department. lot of people, a lot of people <laughs> like to operate openly. There, there's a lot. They, so they, they're inviting the public to come. Come see these studies. Come give feedback. Come tell us what you think. Come give an opinion. And that's at the downtown library tomorrow, 5 to 630. So. That's great. Uh, Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, uh, thank you for that. And hopefully everybody can go down there. We'll try and get that up on our Twitter feed if you need more information. Uh, but uh, you know what we're going to take you out with a little bit here? I want to know. Uh, it's going to be a little corporate product. The end of this. The end of the song. Okay. Yeah, so cool. thanks Very for coming good. in today, man. Yeah. There we go. It's beautiful. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally show, we're going to talk to Jim Slack. He's vice president for Sanford Rural Clinic about the big announcement today that they're going to seven more countries. This is the Patrick Lally show information. 1000 KSOO. Three forty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. 
And we are joined now on the phone by Jim Slack. He is vice president for Sanford World Clinic because Sanford had a huge, huge announcement today. Uh, first of all, Mr. Slack, thank you very much for giving us some of your time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Patrick. So uh, you had a, a big press conference today. It's uh, news all over the place that Sanford uh, Rural Clinic is expanding to seven countries. Do I have that right? Seven countries? Five, five new countries, and then we're expanding relationships in existing two. That's amazing. Uh, here's my first question. Uh, why not dole these out one at a time, sir? <laughs> this is a lot of a lot of information all at once. It's a pretty big dang deal. Well, it is. Uh, Kelby kind of challenged the team here probably about 16 months ago to see if we could pick up the pace and see if we could uh, find other partners to to grow the initiative. And so last August, uh, you know, we put some business development uh, people in place and. This is really the culmination of about 16 months of, of hard work by the team here to, you know, we were fostering a lot of relationships, Patrick, and what really happened is probably over the latter parts of the fall, all of them all kind of came to fruition at the same time. Uh, so I don't know if it was strategically planned or just uh, lucky by chance here, but obviously gaining us a lot of momentum and, and exposure here by announcing five at once. Of course, uh, the old phrase, I'd better be lucky than good. Uh, exactly. it, applies, it applies in golf, and sometimes it applies in life. Um, so uh, th- I'm just going to go through these countries quickly, um, and, and then we can go back. New Zealand, Ireland, Costa Rica, Vietnam, South Africa, Ghana, China. That, that truly is the world, man. You've got something pretty much everywhere. That, that's what our goal is, uh, really, to kind of uh, find relationships broadly great geographic dispersion. I mean, that was part of our challenge, too, is, you know, get, get out there and, and start putting dots across the, across the globe. And so that's what we did. So uh, when you go into these countries, is it, is it kind of the same model everywhere? Or what is it that you're building, starting, supplying in these different places? Yeah, great question. Um, we started this initiative, you know, back in 2007, and it was very much focused on pediatrics primary care. And we went along and obviously were able to add three domestic clinics um, under that model. And we had probably two other relationships international that we were fostering at that time. Um, As we looked at other international sites, especially Ghana, that, of course, uh, started operation back in 2012, we really found that we really needed to serve the whole family. So it started expanding then to um, outside of just pediatric and primary care and then as we looked at really trying to um, establish our footprint really across the globe um, at a much uh, more brisk pace here, we really started opening it up. And we started working relationships and really trying to identify where the collaboration exists. Take Sanford's entire footprint and expertise in multiple areas and just where can we find the collaboration or the way to partner and we can help them, and they can help us. And so now we're really, we, we go out and we, we look for any type of an opportunity where we can leverage Sanford's expertise, no matter what area it might be in, and uh, see what we can make together. We're talking with Jim Slack. He is vice president for Sanford World Clinic, and we're talking about the big announcement today of expansion uh, to five new countries and uh, expanding services in two more that they're already in. Um, this Is this ever overwhelming uh you that that's a lot 
of of people you're serving. It's a lot of different governments, regulations, um, philosophies on healthcare and government and personal freedom. Uh, it must be an amazing amount of paperwork and red tape. And it must. Do you ever just lay there in bed and think, I, "We can't do this"? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. It's, it's exciting. I mean. How many people get the opportunity to try to, you know, take an initiative like this and, and work on it? I mean, it, there's challenges in every job, but, I mean, we face our own challenges here. And, yeah, there's legal obstacles and operational hurdles, but it's just exciting work to be able to uh, to go out there and, and kind of see the world and figure out how Sanford can play a role in learning and helping, you know, move healthcare forward. So an honor. So you're vice president of the World Clinic. Does that mean you uh, you have to go everywhere? Have you traveled to all these spots? I, I've traveled to uh, a good share of them. I haven't personally been to Vietnam yet, but uh, all the re- and South Africa I haven't attended. But uh, all the rest definitely have been there, and, and most of them multiple times. I think it's is, – is there uh, – can you give us sort of a highlight of, of something that you're surprised that you're going to be doing? Uh, you know, as you, you were talking about serving the whole family, but you've got some specializations in each of these countries. What what really excites you about some of these different uh, operations that you're doing in the different Well, really, it's, it's the variety. I mean, we, we've kind of went out of the cookie cutter of saying this is exactly the model that we need to partner with. And when we can really open up and say we can look at – clinical research, precision medicine, using profile as a weight loss program, um, you know, obviously expand on p- pediatrics or any, any way to connect them into Sanford. I mean, that's what's exciting now is we have the whole Sanford enterprise to kind of go out there and sell and brag about and say, how could, how could we work together to, once again, improve health care for um, your community? Um, how many people are involved in the world clinic operation here like how many employees does the sanford world clinic part have i know you're partnering with all these different people so there's sure hundreds of people involved but how many of them are actually sanford employees well we have uh, we've set up operations in in ghana so we have in-country sanford employees that work for us in ghana because we're building such a, a large presence there we have about 24 clinics open as we speak and moving upwards towards, we hope, 100 over the coming years. So we've built a, uh, a staff of team there that are Sanford employees that are, you know, all Ghanaians. And so we have probably, I don't know, 120, 130 people over in Ghana that support us. In the actual World Clinic Department, I think we have 15 people. Hmm. But, you know, the when you start saying you know, leveraging the whole enterprise and the system here. We've got numerous partners throughout the system. So if we need oncology expertise, we're going to that department and tapping on leaders, doctors there for that expertise and getting them involved with our partners and having calls and sometimes traveling to the locations. So we're leveraging way outside of just uh, what's in our department. We're able to grab individuals and it's kind of a unique experience to be able to work for Sanford because you never know where you might yeah. might be going to help support growth. Yeah. What's the mission? I mean, what's the goal of this, the, of the world clinics? Um, is it, is it profitable? I mean, I know it's a nonprofit organization basically, but what's the goal here? Well, it, it, you know, no, we're, we're not in this for profits at all, but we do uh, seek 
financial sustainability. So my goal would be to make every one of these locations financially sustainable over a period of three to five years, let's say. That's typically what it takes to sustain operations. But each one of them is very unique and different. Some of them we carry operational uh, risks, others where we really are, are consultants and collaborators. So each one's uh, slightly different. But really, what we're in this for is to learn. Uh, we're a learning organization. Uh, there's things that we can obviously depart and share with our partners, but there's also many things we might be able to look at that our partners do and bring back and potentially uh, introduce to our family and, and improve care here. The second thing is, you know, we're looking to expand uh, our footprint and, and really build on our brand and reputation. So uh, that that meets number two. And then number three is just Canada. To expand, I guess, our research, uh, knowledge, expertise, impact more than anything. Uh, when you talk about going to Ghana and you're exposed to uh, diseases like malaria that, that nobody, uh, you know, of course, in the Midwest or even in the United States experiences, as we look at Germany where we're uh, working with stem cells, and then as you look at Ireland where we're, you know, expanding clinical research opportunities, um, it's, it's just, you know, to expand research, activity, knowledge, mm -hmm. and expertise. Jim Slack, he's vice president for Sanford World Clinic. Very exciting announcement today. Mr. Slack, we'll have to have you have back when we have a little more time and we can go through some of this in more detail. I appreciate your time, sir. Sounds great. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to have Rich Show in. It's Day two of Rich Show Week. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And this is uh, Black Railroad by Rich Show. Coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk to Rich. That's after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000. That, of course, is uh, Black Railroad by Rich Show, who is in studio. Rich, thanks for coming. Welcome welcome to Amateur Hour on uh, <laughs> the Patrick Lally Show. No, uh, this, is a, this is a song off Rich's uh, solo record. Yes. From what year was that? Uh, 
96, I believe. Recorded at Paisley Park? No. No, that was recorded uh, with Tom Herbers in the Minneapolis. Yeah, Tom Herbers, very famous producer uh, from back in the day, right? Back in the day, yeah, yeah. He did, uh, who did they? He ended up, he did like Bash and Pop, you know, yeah. Tommy Stinson's band. He did some Westerberg stuff. Uh, he did uh, Slim Dunlap stuff. And didn't Tommy Stinson play on one of these songs on, on the the end of the album? Or who was it that played on the Slim Slim Dunlap? Yeah, showed up for the uh, right at the end. I sh- yeah, I begged him, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was using uh, uh, Brian Liljeth, his drummer. Oh, okay. For that, uh, who used record. to play with the Drag Hounds. Oh, really? Yeah. Who played here many times. Yes. It's just a small world, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, Anyway, it's Rich Show Week here on the Patrick Lally Show. This is the first of Rich's two appearances this week. And uh, so we've been playing the music. And this song is on the new release, the double album. Yes. That came in the mail to me today. Oh. Yeah. I got my shirt. How does it look? I, uh, I... I got to tell you, I wept just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've told people many times I've uh, was involved in a very small way. I wrote the the forward for um, the record, and I have never done anything like that before. And I was really, really nervous. And I saw it today, and I was a little bit just kind of taken aback. I got I can't lie to you. Oh, f- seeing your words in, on the record? Or yeah, what? And my yeah. name. On your on, name. On your record. On was a, a record. Well, on your record. It was a little <laughs> bit too much for me to take. But So thank you. How, tell me, um, how was this, making this record? Yeah, I should tell people if they don't know, you've got four decades of, of songwriting, performing in this community. Uh, no Direction, Flag with Hank, Violet, Oxford, comma, um, the body electric, isn't that right? The body yeah, electric, body electric, uh, uh, working poor, all of those things. Uh, to have this all in one package like this, what's it feel like? Um, it's a real classy do-over. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really get that. I mean, I don't think you get do-overs t- so much in this business, um, mainly because no one cares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And and so, how did this come about? Um, I believe we were doing, uh, well, Lance and Jason, Mark, and myself, we were playing out, uh, doing a benefit for um, uh, the co-op. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Phil Bjornberg, someone you know, mm-hmm. a, a local music geek. Also wrote, I, also wrote the uh, liner notes for yes, the record. Yes, yeah. yes. He... Uh, had been talking to Andy Howes, who asked him if yeah. he thought I would be interested in, would I be okay with doing something like that, which for the most part, I'm not <laughs> usually, I usually don't like to go backwards. Right. That's why, I mean, I see this as going backwards in a way, but then again, I could understand, you know, if they wanted to do something like that, it was really quite... Um. Yeah, quite a slap, you know, pat on the back, yeah. way to go, Rich, you know. And I thought, well, you know, what would be so wrong with it? Absolutely. And Andy Howes of Different Folk Records, who's been on the show, and we talked about that a little bit. Um, it, how did you, did you imagine that it was going to be as big a project as it turned into when they first brought it up? No, 
no, I, I guess I had thought that it'd probably just be one one record and stuff. But he said, well, just, you know, do what you want. Do what you want, you know, which that's probably the worst thing he could say to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I just started looking at, you know, the lists of songs that I had, you know, digging up old, you know, set lists from way back when and then tried to break it down and just started going, oh, yeah, I think if we could play this, I think if we could play that. You know, you thinking of, you know, who I had with me, who's who's going to actually play on it, you know, Jason mm-hmm. Haig. Yeah, know. Jason Haig and Mark Romanowski and Lance Bear. Those guys have been with you for a long time. Right. Um, how many... So we should we should tell people first of all this is a double vinyl album and it's a it's a hefty product. Yeah. It's a it's a real old cool vinyl record. Um and then there's that's got 22 songs on it, right? Yes. And yes. then there's how many more in the download? I got it downloaded but I haven't been back through it all yet. I think it's 19 more songs. So it's 40 songs. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it's 40 plus. So yeah, there's plenty of music there. That's a lot. Yeah. How cool was it to be recording on vinyl again? Uh, it was well, yeah. I mean, it's it's okay. I guess it's the same process for right. recording. So I guess that I mean, I think it's awesome that it's on vinyl. It just looks more substantial than you, you've got something there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful artwork. You've got you know liner notes. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> My very, word, the very... words are much bigger than they would have been on a, even a single album. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I I really do thank you for for doing that because well, I you yeah I needed someone who knew something about me yeah and we've uh, I've been blessed to not just see you a lot but interview you several times right. for long periods of time and just talk to you a lot so that I was I was honored and blessed to do that um, when you. Uh, uh, decided to do it though, and you start going through the songs, going through the list. It's still only forty songs. How d- were were there songs where you just like, I want to do that so bad, but I can't. There's no other baby I can throw overboard. Oh well, uh, the thing is, is with with the the downloads, knowing that we we're whatever didn't fit would be on the downloads. So. It didn't, I mean... That wasn't a problem? That wasn't a problem. Did they? Did the ones you wanted to do emerge rather quickly? No. <laughs> <laughs> I started with like 200 songs and then just started... Well, I wanted to, you know... I knew we were going to have to rehearse on things that Jason didn't do, didn't know. Okay. So Jason was, is a, a, a the bass player. Yes, and Jason And he wasn't Hague. in those early bands. No. Yeah. No. So, yeah, this was all, I mean... Poor Jason, he has been such a trooper. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we've been throwing stuff at him like crazy. Of course, you know, Lance and myself and Mark. Right. You know. You've been playing together forever. Yeah, yeah. Since Lance and I, I think since the middle of the 80s. Right. He was the drummer in Flag with Hank. That's yes. where he came in after No Direction. Yes. Actually, through the later days of No Direction, wasn't that true? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and Flag with Hank was uh, you, Heath Hengem, Lance Bear, and Ralph Mills. Yes. And that's amazing because how old was he when he started playing with you, Lance? 18, I think. Oh, wow. 
18 or 19. He was, yeah, he was still in high school. <laughs> but he took to it real good. <laughs> he did. He, well, yeah, that was, yeah, I remember going to some, someone had invited me to see this band rehearse. They wanted to know what I thought, whatever that, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Lance was the drummer, and I just could tell right away that he just was a natural I mean, he just, you know, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. everything was just right on, loud, just, and beat the crap out of it. Can I <laughs> he, say that? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, he can, uh, he can go after it when he needs to. But yeah. he is also one of those guys, and you, if you're going to play with you, you got to be able to be subtle. Yes, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a killer drummer. I mean, he, he covers all the areas that I go in. Before we uh, run too far into this without actually having any commercials, which would get me in a lot of trouble, we're going to have to take a short break here and come right back with Rich Show on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. That, of course, is Rich Show on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, with uh, the first single, I think it was, off of the the first one that was released, first song that was released online. One uh, of them, yeah. Who Do You Love, off of This Is The Future, That Was The Future, This Is The Past, the new double album. Do You you can't call it a greatest hits record. It's not. That's not fair. No. No. No, when you don't have any hits, <laughs> no, then it's... Then it's you can't say greatest hits. It's it's a it's, it's a compilation, a reworking of the classic canon of Rich Show. Yeah, there was various periods that are rep- that needed to be represented again. I think it's mainly because, to me, there's you know a bit of history in town here that kind of drifted away, and there's a whole new um, group of people listening to music records and stuff now and it's uh i just don't i just want them to at least have the opportunity to hear it yeah because i think what we did was i mean we had our moments yeah not Uh, always ups and downs just like anything right (laughs) so tell me about who do you love what is this on what's it on i can't even remember well it's it was uh our short-lived band called catholic family radio there you go and who was in that band um, Nate Jakeway, uh, Paul Erickson, Mark, and myself. Of course, oh. Mark and myself, we're in pretty much everything. <laughs> it starts there. with Mark Romanowski <laughs> and uh, Rich Show, and then when Lance can play, he plays, right? Right. That's right. awesome. So that was during, we were doing the All Get Outs at oh, that time. Oh, yeah. I forget about the All Get Outs, which was a, uh, what year was all the music from? Um, we chose it to be from, I think, 64 to 67. Yeah, and it was sweet. Yes, thank you, thank you. I enjoyed that. My bit. first cover band I was ever in. <laughs> first and only? Only, yes. Yeah, uh, but it was it was really cool because you guys wore the appropriate attire and had a great time. I had a great time. I had a great time. That was a lot of fun. So but you were doing Catholic Family Radio at the same time? 
Right. I mean, there was just, uh, I just started messing around with some different songs. And I think, you know, just the, the, the type of genre we were working in with the all get outs kind of led me to do something like this where there was more vocals and a lot of changes in the songs. And yeah. So tell me, like, how, how do you see songs from band to band to band? Or don't you see them as, oh, that was a Flag With Hank song or that was a Violet song or, you know, they're just your songs. Well, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, sometimes I write to the strengths of who I'm playing with. Yeah. And, yeah, I think at, at the time, you know, when Flag With Hank was happening, I was kind of getting tired of the the punk thing and was really getting more into classic country. And that was like the late 80s, probably in that range, early 90s? No, no, no. That would have been um, the the mid-80s into the... Because uh, I think uh, Flag of Hank was over by 90. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, my God. Because I, I think uh, Violet started in like 91. Yeah. The thing I will always remember about Flag with Hank, of course, was one summer every Monday night at the Crowbar, the right. old Crowbar. The old Crowbar, not the new. I'm nothing wrong with the new Crowbar, but, but the old Crowbar just had that working man's mm-hmm. atmosphere and the uh, the dart room in the back where we played. Yeah, uh, it was dark. It was kind of dark, and it was always hot. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> And a great moment I always remember, and I don't know if you remember this, was I think you did a lot of the show almost in the dark with just a couple of beer lights. Do you remember this? There wasn't much for lights. <laughs> I, 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 I think it was just like the lights that they had in there for yeah. like when they had the dart games going. Yeah, that's right. We just moved them back so they, we could see the set lists. And yeah, it was fun. That it was, was really fun. Uh, uh, yeah. But that was probably 89-ish, probably, 88, 89, yep. right in there. Yep. Yeah. Good yep. times, good times. Uh, but then into Violet, and uh, I don't, we don't need to rehash everybody, everybody, but that's probably a band that really uh, people, more people know you for that band than any other band. Is that fair to say? Probably. Uh, you played to some big, big crowds. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, we had a really, really good lineup of people there. And it was, I think, the potential of that group was really, really high. Yeah, because it was, you had in that group as well, uh, playing guitar, Mark Bombera. Right. And so those two guys, Romanowski and Bombera, were just awesome. Yeah, they're, yeah, I had, I really thought I had the best people in town. I wasn't, like, going out looking for the best people. I just, you know... I had done some stuff with Mark Bombera, I think, the summer before we started. Because he was moving to Rapid City and his brother Tom. Remember, we did the dirty whatever he calls them. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And that was just like for a summer. Really? Yeah, we were just... um, Lance came back from Austin. I I had nothing going on. I think the four of us, none of us had anything going on. We knew we were going to leave at the end of the summer, or people were leaving. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, let's just do this and play as many shows as we can, which we did. And it was I, a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. And I think there was one time, one night we did three shows in one night. Really? Yeah, we did play that Zambros, did an acoustic thing, 
then played at the Pomp Room. We played a, a set there, and then we went over to Jono's and played a set there because, you know, we talked mm-hmm. with the various bands and mm-hmm. they let us do that. That's pretty cool. Uh, do, you, do you know what the biggest audience you've ever played to with Violet? Because that would have been probably when it happened, right? What's that? Violet, like um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I think about maybe yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, in the in the bars, you could only get a thousand people, right? In there. Right. So they'd be full, probably right. a little more than that. But uh, limelight and, and the pomp room. But did you ever do any big outdoor shows or anything like that? No. Well, we did a few outdoor things, but not a whole lot. We did play with. Uh, oh boy, we did some stuff at. The campus down at USD, mm-hmm. and I can't think of the name. Bodines. Yeah, oh, we that's played right. with the Bodines, and that was a pretty big crowd. Yeah, cool. We're going to come right back uh, and talk more with Rich Show about the upcoming weekend show on Saturday uh, night, the show show on the Patrick Lally Show on Information One Thousand KSOO. Four thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Returning to our conversation with Rich Show, who wrote this song, "Lamb on the Prairie." I'm playing air guitar to it. Yeah, you're looking good, man. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I've never seen Rich Show playing anything but real guitar. Yeah. Oh, this is such a great song, man. Thank you. Oh, man, that song uh, takes me to a place uh, that I don't go very often. And uh, <laughs> tell me about that song, because it is, I'm not going to say it's my favorite Rich Show song of all time, but it's right up there. Huh. Um, what can I tell you about that song? I. It's just a nice, full rock and, you know, the, the boys and, you know, I guess that was one for sure. Um, thinking I've got the two really hot guitar players. Yes, and this is something that they need to let loose on. Yeah, and they did. And you often use this uh, either to close a show or near the end. Right, right. Uh, and there was a lot of sweaty bouncing around going on. And a lot of it. Here we go. <laughs> I love that song. Um, maybe too much, right? Uh, so, let me tell me how much of your life experience is in the writing. Not, I'm not talking about like things that happened to you, events or anything like that, or people or anything like that. But like the the artistry, the emotions of it. You know what I mean? the The expression of it. Where, how much of that is is just things that you feel? Um. Uh... 
some of it is. Um, there's always, I I guess when I start writing something, I'm I don't really have a specific thing in mind. I'll just be kind of tinkering around on the guitar, and all of a sudden I'll find something that feels nice, gives me a good feeling, and then all the melody will start coming to me. And then, I mean, I have all that done. The the arrangement, where the guitars are coming, all that done before I even think about what I'm going to write about. You're kidding me. No. And then you go back and say, I've got a solid bass here. Yeah. What do I want to say? Right. I've had uh, uh, Black Railroad. Yeah. I slaved over that song to write the lyrics, and I wrote them, and I wrote them, and I wrote them, and I just like, this is like, you know, kindergarten writing this. <laughs> this is so bad, you know. And then, and but I liked what I heard that we had recorded just, you know, on a live thing, you know. I just liked what we did. Because there's many nights, if I didn't have any words for a song, I would just literally mumble something <laughs> through, make up words, just syllables and stuff. This is the absolute truth. <laughs> I did that. I had I still do it to this day. But anyways, like if not not necessarily forgetting the words, just like I don't know what I don't it, have words. <laughs> that's just a song. It's happening right in front of us. Right. Yeah. Well, that's pretty it's, cool. It, and then, you know, sometimes then the words had come to me. But anyways, with Black Railroad, I just hated what I was writing. It just was so pathetic. So then I started listening to this recording of us doing, of me mumbling. <laughs> and then I just started thinking, well, what do I think he's saying? What does that word sound like I'm saying? So I wrote that. And that's what the words are to that song. That's amazing. Because I think of it as like this beautiful story. Ah! <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's, it is. I mean, you do eventually work it into something. Yeah. but But to me, that was like. So was that a subconscious thing mm -hmm. that was coming out of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of times with songs, I don't really know what I wrote, you know, what the meaning is, maybe not for five years. It's like, oh, oh, now I'm starting to catch on what I... Where that's coming from. Right. Some reflection back to an experience. Right. So it has to be... Stream you know, of consciousness. Yeah, you can't be, but you can't be having those voices in your head all the time. <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you, do you have to get yourself into a, a sort of a mental state, a space to be able to just kind of let it flow out? For writing lyrics, it's certainly, That's, certainly. I mean, and some, uh, I have another, what I think is an amazing story. You want to hear it? Absolutely. <laughs> when we were doing, before we were going to do the second flag with Hank album, um, I, there was most of the songs I didn't have lyrics for. And I was home, sick from work one day. I mean, really sick. Bed, in bed. And I just laid in bed and with my eyes closed and just was thinking about the music. And I wrote the lyrics to all the songs in an afternoon while I was sick. So you were in some sort of altered state of consciousness, yes, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is I got into that space oh and I just stayed there and just kept working it because I 
You couldn't do anything else. Couldn't do anything else. There's no reason to stop. You didn't have to go, you know, like change the laundry or anything. Right, right. I just, I felt like, you know, just laying there and stay, you know. That was uh, Weasel Roney, right? Yes. Isn't that the name of the record? Yes. That's a. It, well, it's not the entire record. A lot but, of it. But a lo- I'd say two thirds of it. That's amazing. Um, do you ever just get stuck? I mean, everybody gets stuck, but you've written so many songs. Yep. What do you do when you get stuck? Um, leave that blank. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to that. I'll later. come back to that later. You know, it's, a lot of times it's it's uh, I wait till we play it again, and then you know there's that blank spot. And then something will I'll just say something, and oh, that might I'll use that. <laughs> you know. Do you uh, keep notebooks? Hundreds. I uh, was actually when I was going through this thing, I was looking for notebooks and and digging around and stuff. And I, I mean, I found stuff from No Direction days and all the way back. And then when when Isaac wanted some pictures and some album artwork, old your, stuff. Your son Isaac, who designed or he was involved in the project. He's it? he he did the uh, a video. Okay. Uh, the the timeline video. I don't know if you've seen that on Facebook or yes. not. Yep, yep. Yeah, he did that. Eli did the artwork. Got it. Um and that there I was digging up all kinds of flyers and thank you Phil Bjornberg yes. for the flyers. <laughs> Phil Bjornberg who apparently kept every concert flyer well, I would that he could find right, right. Yes, I mean, I I don't think he kept all of them. I mean, or or grabbed all of them, but he's he had a large amount. And the sleeves for the actual vinyl inside the cardboard are po- are concert posters. Yes, flyers, yes. and they're awesome. I'm so happy. The one that's on there, uh, where the guy tells me uh, it's a it's a letter to the editor to Tempest that you made into a concert poster. Thank you very much. <laughs> It said something about how I got my nose up flag with Hank's butt or something like that. It was really, it was uh, disparaging to me. I took it in good, good. It was supposed to, I mean, it had nothing to do with you. (laughs) Serious. It was like, I I just thought it was, yeah. I just thought, okay, buddy. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm just going to throw it right at you. Not you. No. The guy who, I I don't even know who it was. I have no idea. Uh, the name on the letter, I think is like Dave Elfson or something like that. It, nobody Elfson. I'd somebody I didn't know. Right. Just a random it, letter. It, it may, probably may, was fake. Probably was fake. If it was in Tempest, it was probably fake. <laughs> nobody put their name on anything. Uh, we're going to listen to just a little bit more Lamb on the Prairie. And before we go to commercial, we're going to come right back and finish up with a chill for today. Cause this is only right. day one. Day one. Four forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. That's nice. That's good stuff. That's uh, Rich Shows. Uh, My Rock and Autopsy uh, with the big horns. Now. 
where did that where does that song land what era is that from because it's it, it's an older song it's been reworked right yeah um i want to say that was you know remember soundtrack of a man who never yes. mount anything yes. or something like that I don't was, even know the name like of my a, own record. Was that like a three disc set? Three, yeah, there was fifty-two songs on that. Oh <laughs> That's a lot. And that was that was part of that. I mean, there was kind of that uh, mid-period. I think it was really mainly after Mark Bombera moved to Seattle. Yep. And we were doing. Uh, I was trying to do more rock type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's listen to just a little bit of it here. That's Rocky. <laughs> but uh, when did you uh, go ahead and put the horns on it and all that? That's really, that's a well, powerful song now. Yeah, when we did that, the thing would be a year ago, Christmas, we did the first uh, time with the horns and strings. Mm-hmm. That was at the Icon. And we had been talking about that for like six, eight months beforehand. And then we got Andrew Reinhardt in, involved in it. He did the string arrangements and horn arrangements on the album. And for, That's amazing. That's and, that, I remember seeing that, and you told me that he had done all the arrangements, and I'm like, so he took your music and then basically wrote string and horn parts. Yes. that I mean, that to me is talent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, amazing. He's, he's a monster talent. He's got lots of chops. He to plays see, uh, a lot of different music styles and... Is he with the symphony, or does he just know everybody in the symphony? He knows everybody in the symphony. Uh, I don't think he's actually with them, but he plays, you know, with the the jazz. Oh, okay. Uh, thing on well, he J A S. Yes, okay. yes, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, there's a number of people he plays with. You know, Mark and him have got some side project they're working on. I believe it's an instrumental thing. Um, well, it's going to be a fun collaboration, though. It, it, at this point in your in your career in your life and all the songwriting, to work with somebody to like rework them and reinvigorate them and right. makes it a different song almost. Right, right. It uh, as uh, Slim Dunlap says, you put strings on a song, it just legitimizes it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's it it kind of does. But I mean, going forward, I still want to work with these people with the new stuff. Because, and then have that in mind. That's what I, you know, before, you know, you know, we had the song already wrote and he's, you know, more or less adding condiments onto, mm-hmm. you know, your main dish. Yeah. So now you can collaborate with somebody like that on the front side and it becomes a different experience for exactly, you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm hoping to do more of it, more hands-on of the writing of that, but then have someone like Andrew you know, check my word or say, <laughs> oh, okay, Rich, no one can humanly play that. <laughs> you know, someone can't hold their breath that long. That's funny. Um, so it's, we keep talking about your the, the songs you've written over this. Do you have any idea how many you've written and how many you've recorded? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. No, a- I, I, I would say it's, you know, probably 300 I've written and probably 200 I've recorded. Dude, so that there aren't that many just orphans out there that never got laid down. Oh, there's a number of them. 
There's quite a few, actually. You know, like we were talking about the Sharon song. Yes. That's one that never got recorded. Yeah. And and so they're, they're out there, a few of them. We were talking earlier about, and with Scott Hudson yesterday, about how when in, in that period through the 90s especially, you were playing a lot, you, every time you went to a show, there'd be a new song. Right. You, you were rolling new songs into the shows all the time. And you might play it once and never see it again. Right. Well, there's, you know, or maybe rework it, you know, because it just may not have worked out, you know, when we played it that time. And it just becomes something different. Right. And, or it was just like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> and then when he comes right down to it, that's kind of boring or, you know. You have to have recorded more than 200 songs. There was 50 songs on the man who I never know. wanted I, anything. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember. You know, Let's I, just say it's, it's over 200. Yeah, there you go. I don't think it's. You know who could probably tell us? Phil Bjornberg. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes. Hey, I, we've got to talk briefly about the show on Saturday night. Um, yes. So uh, it's a record release party. Tell people basically what, what's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, record release party. We want to uh, get everyone excited about this double album that we've recorded. We've spent the last year working on. Um, we're they're going to be selling the record. I made T-shirts. I made T-shirts. Uh, Flag with Hank T-shirts. Oh, no Direction T-shirts. Uh, Working Poor T-shirts and. No, did I say no direction? You did. Yeah. I got the no direction Violet. shirt. Violet. Oh, those guys. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> those guys. Remember well, the Violet Sucks t-shirts? Yeah, I have one somewhere. Awesome. Yeah, I also have a Rejoice in the Frustration t-shirt. That's the same t-shirt. Does it say Violet Sucks on the back? Yes. That's what it is. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I've got that. Well, anyways, uh, we're going to have uh, four or five different you know, sections of this show where you know, there's going to be part where there's just like the five piece core band we're going to do a section with no direction we're going to do a section with working poor we're going to do an acoustic we're going to do a thing with the whole big band and uh you know where there's strings and horns and backup singers and it's quite the uh now you can buy tickets in advance for this show right yes i think you go to different folk different folks yeah dot com you'll find it uh, there's Facebook pages, events, there's everything because Andy's that way. Yes. He's yes. Complete. He is. Um, well, we're going to have to stop talking here, but again, this is only part one. Part two is Thursday. So you're, co- you're still coming back Thursday, right? I didn't oh, yeah. put you off your yeah, feet I, I'm, okay, I think I'm taking the day off. Maybe I'll bring you a, a latte or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. You brought your guitar this time. We didn't even get to it, but hopefully on Thursday you can play a little bit. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, if we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to do, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We'll be right back to finish up here, uh, the program. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Wait, this isn't Radio Clash. No, it's the first time I haven't ended the show with Radio Clash. Oh. <laughs> it's a rich show, boys in the band. Oh, yeah.
I got to tell you folks to remember Saturday is Sioux Empire on Tap at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries, two general admission sessions to choose from. It's going to be a great time. Live music, food, beer. It's wonderful. SiouxEmpireOnTap.com. Stick with us tomorrow. City Councilor Christine Erickson will be here to talk about her bid for re-election and the range of issues facing city government. The Boon Man will be in. That'll be fun. And I'm going to play a bunch of rich show music, and he'll be back on Thursday. So there you go. See you tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I leave you with the boys in the band.